<laughs> Let's do an intro, I guess. Uh, welcome everyone to Paxtia. It's me, Peter, from Paxtia. Today we're going to be doing a, a new intro, a new type of bulletin session where we're going to talk about a couple of news updates. Exciting, thrilling, brand new development from Paxtia. Very novel, Absolutely. untested. Cut, cutting edge, actually. Yeah. Experimental. And we're going to run through a few themes. Firstly, news updates in the space. Secondly, I'll introduce you to this young man over here before segueing into uh, the seaweed idea thon. If we're not, we might start with that, uh, which is a new yeah. type of competition we launched, uh, and we have some interesting updates on that front. We do. So let's start there. Welcome everyone. Welcome. This is Reese Jones. Reese, would you like to give a little intro? Yeah. Um, I'm Reese. I am 24. I basically run a company called Micro Supplies, um, where we basically develop. Seaweed harvesting machinery um, that's cheap, affordable, um, and reliable for farmers. Um, first one's called Macro Auto Farmer, um, has a 10 year guarantee, harvests at 4.5 wet tons, costs £30,000. Um, yeah, uh, so that's the, first, the main thing I do. And then the second thing I do is I run something called the Seaweed Gang, which is an uh, all online, uh, global, and probably the most engaged um, seaweed community uh, out there in the world. It's uh, got 280 members on it. Um, Peter is also a member, so if you're not a member, you should and definitely an admin. join. And an admin. And an admin. <laughs> yeah, and an admin. Yeah, really, you kind of, you were there from the beginning, weren't you? Yeah, I, I put my, left my mark, I'm, I'm within the conversation, uh, adding links to harass everyone now and again. Uh, it, it really is the, a great solution to something that we've had trouble with in the CV space, which is cross-border collaboration, yeah. conversation, and you always need someone driving those types of community channels and you do a great job with that because it's, I know how hard it is from first-hand experience. Yeah, you're right. It was, uh, we needed that extra transparency and it's something that we're still lacking, to be honest. We don't have enough people from Southeast Asia. Uh, yeah. Seaweed gang, and that's really what the West needs to be learning from, right? Because that's where all of the seaweed development has been for the past, you know, yeah. 100 years or whatever. Now, uh, we are talking about macro farming and uh, macro supplies, sorry. Yeah. Give us a little update while we're on the topic. Give us a little update on the improvements uh, in terms of production capacity or, or automation capacity. What's, what kind of improvements does it offer farmers versus yeah. what they're currently working? Because we know in terms of price, cultivation is super high. Right, exactly. So tell us more about Like 64% of the cost comes from labor and then like 80% of that goes to harvesting, we think. There's like so, such a poor amount of data out there that you can't say with 100% certainty if you think that's, those are the numbers. Um, yeah, I mean, it really depends on the farm in terms of productivity benefits. Um, you've got, you know, it, it depends on species, depends on the size of the farm, uh, depends on location as well, right? Like, what is the average wage that you're paying people in that given region? Um, because, you know, maybe in Canada it's more expensive than in, uh, say, the UK, right? But uh, wages are, you know, often a lot lower. Um, so really, uh, what we have is like a calculator and we like to give, um, you know, an idea of the benefits uh, or an estimation of the benefits, um, through our online calculator. So you can check that out on our website. Um, but you have a calculator on your website. It's on our website, so you can interact with it. But yeah, I think, you know, if I was to give kind of ballpark idea, if you're farming sugar kelp, in the US, and it's a one hectare farm, um, it's going to save you, I believe, it's about $50,000 a year. So that means you're, you're kind of getting this whole machine paid back 
within one year and it has a 10 year lifetime. Right, and then in terms of next steps for you guys, because you've had a bit of feedback from investors mm. and, and uh, from uh, farmers too. So what's next for you guys? So, so we had some feedback from farmers. Uh, most of them really liked the products. There was one that wasn't super keen on it because of um, tie ties. So it's not compatible with tie ties. If you look at our machine, it's basically, uh, basically it pulls your long line through a radial blade. Is that that radial blade that's on the out, like external chassis of the machine that actually cuts the seaweed? So most of it doesn't go inside. But that radial blade is not compatible with tie ties that you see with some uh, like eucamatoid farming over in Indonesia. It's not necessary because actually a lot of farmers do it without those tie ties. So we would just recommend farmers who do use tie ties not to use them uh, when using our machine. Otherwise, it's compatible with any rope between five millimeters to seventy or seven zero millimeters. Um, and then as it pulls that rope through, um, it, it takes, first of all, the, the main portion of the crop by cutting up the whole fast, and then it shears off with a secondary blade um, your, your hold fast and your seed string from your previous deployment into a separate pile. So that's how it works. And so as part of that, um, it, it's not the best at dealing with knots in the long, uh, in the long line. So if you've tied them together, so that's something we'd want to improve for version 2.0. Um, but otherwise, most customers have been pretty excited about it, with the exception of the fact that we don't have uh, a demo, like a video demonstration of this on someone's farm. So, investors, if you're watching this, I think it's a, a really good opportunity to catch up with the recent, see what he's up to, and, and, and there's obviously lots of uh, room for improving the cultivation side of seaweed and the yeah. seaweed industry. And you guys offer definitely one of the solutions that folks talk about all the time: automating, improving the the harvesting process. So that was macro supplies, everyone. Uh, stay tuned for more updates on that front. Uh, these guys are looking for fundraising, but also uh, new collaborators and new opportunities to, to test their kit. Yeah. Um, so get in touch with Reese, get in touch with me if you want to uh, find out more. And we can just segue into the Seaweed idea, which is our number two update for today, which was <laughs> a great success. We, we yeah, launched sure. the Seaweed Idea Fund about a month ago and uh, basically what the, the, it had very, various reasons for launching but certainly from my side of things there's not enough innovation happening upstream in terms of the supply chain so the, the production, the processing, the harvesting, the seeding and uh, um, we wanted to see a little bit more innovation and, and come at collaboration upstream and so we launched a seaweed idea. Did you want to just dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. offer a little bit more um, yeah, we uh, we did it a little bit differently. It's kind of like a hack hackathon. So um, if you've been to a hackathon, it's basically like a week long, a weekend long event usually, just a day, uh, and you just sit down with a random team that you just meet and you build something. Usually it's like software based, right? But we obviously can't build something in just over a weekend for this. You know, upstream seaweed uh, industry. So, what we've got to focus on instead is ideas, right? And trying to find really good ones. Um, so, we assemble people into teams based on their specializations, right? We've got some business people, mix them in with academics, and mix them in with uh, like maybe a few students here and there as well. Um, I think we might have even had a couple of creatives. Um, and then, obviously, uh, more engineering focused people too. And uh, yeah, then they would basically pick a problem statement that we prepared, right, which was processing uh, basically like a, a cheaper, more low, en low energy intensive, I can't speak, 
a less energy intensive way of doing processing that's not solar drying. Um, and then yeah, particularly the, the stabilization side of things and, and stabilizing yeah, the seed, right? Exactly. Uh, trying to find alternative ways. Had some really interesting uh, ideas pop up for that. Um, and then we also had the problem statement around nimbyism because obviously there's a lot of nimbyism when it comes to not um, in my backyard. Yes. <laughs> Worth explaining. Which is a big issue, right? In in the well, it it's an issue, and I think there are solutions for it. But basically, there's a social acceptance issue in the West farming seaweed on the, in the near shore environment where folks don't really want to see a bunch of seaweed farms generally and they're worried about the scale-up problem. Yeah. It, there is hope, but the UK is a little bit slower at the moment and um, we have our own issues with busy marine environments, uh, very busy marine environments, and so uh, that's where the discussion around offshore uh, cultivation comes in more into the fore. Um, yeah. But we can get into that another time because we, we do have to, to move on to the next point, which is the final point of the uh, seaweed idea thumb, which was to do with domestication of uh, um, breeding of seaweed for high, high productivity seaweed. Yeah. Basically, we wanted to talk about genetic improvements, selective breeding, an area for big innovation in this space. We are seeing the effects of, of uh, climate change on crops around the world, particularly in the Philippines and Indonesia. Mm. And so the final problem area was that, and we offered that as an option to, to start proposing a solution. Yeah. And we, we saw uh, a great team come to the fore in that area, which actually won the competitions. That was team three. I don't think we have a name for them, but they no, definitely, we, <laughs> we should have had a name for them coming into this. But this was a team of four guys um, from South America and the States. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we can, we can maybe leave their names in after this, but it's Raul, Jose, Patrick, and um, Rodrigo. And uh, we were really impressed with how these guys took the challenge and, and just the, their, their group chat popped off within a yeah, few seconds. Sure. Of, was <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was just, and then when we spoke to them after, we noticed how much of a pain point this had been, we, we learned loads about the tons of seaweed being farmed in, in Brazil and Venezuela, mm. um, which has a huge potential actually for, for some of these tropical seaweeds. And the way they got those strains in the first place, right? They imported it over from the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. And then it got past Venezuela, which then got past to Brazil, something yeah. like that. And so they, these guys presented a, a, a domestication program that they would like to incorporate or introduce to mm. at least Brazil and, and South America, but has uh, possibilities for the whole of the tropical seaweed sector um, and was a great roadmap for, for it was more of a, a project as opposed to a startup idea yeah. but um, you know immediately we saw the potential of introducing this and, and if it's not already happening because there's a few breeding operations happening around the world but this one was quite comprehensive because it's not just a breeding operation right breeding is slow you know you're dealing with like generation times and, and tropical seaweeds and around you know, 45 days. <laughs> you know, it, it took like millennia to do selective breeding with terrestrial plants. So we need something a lot faster, and, and these guys had a few ideas with that. Yeah. Directed evolution, genetic engineering, which can be very controversial, but isn't without precedent. You know, there's um, there's a, I think it's a form of Atlantic salmon in the States that got authorized, um, a genetic, genetically modified version of it. Uh, that got authorized for aquaculture farming over there. So it's not, it wouldn't be the first genetically modified um, crop to to be used in water, um, 
so there is some precedent for that. But yeah, all of these different technologies, including DNA sequencing as well, um, you know, could help generate much mm-hmm. faster mm-hmm. Uh, seaweed species mm-hmm. and strains. So they were the winning team, um, but there were so many other good teams, and we were yeah, really sure. happy that folks took the time, engaged on the weekend, on to work on a project together. Some really superb people coming together, offering solutions with offshore permaculture for social licensing issues, and there were solutions to do with cheap, effective social licensing handbooks for the social licensing problem. We saw stabilization solutions in terms of uh, vacuum, vacuum drying, which was interesting, definitely. Very interesting solution on that front. And also another solution in terms of just uh, optimizing offtake agreements and then bio-refining, a sort of cascade bio-refining yeah. solution, which, um, and then reusing the heat generated from fermentation. There's a, a quite a circular solution there in that front. Um, there were a, a lot of other solutions that we loved. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the winner were these guys, and we recommend getting in touch with them if you want to learn a little bit more. Final, okay, final point, I think, was the final point today was about news. I mean, anything you've seen in the news the last few days is, is of interest. I think there's a lot of, um, from my end, there's a lot of asparagopsis news happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you see a few links. Yeah, asparagopsis is kind of, um, the, the methane reduction supplements are really um, in the news like, last few weeks. CH4 yeah. Global um, make, moving ahead with their Eco Park. First commercial sales, very exciting for them. Australia is the breeding ground, I think, for, for innovation in that area. Um, Do we know the volume of those commercial sales? I don't think that that's... Um, They're releasing that. I, I, didn't, I don't think that's public, but okay. it might be. And, and Steve, if you see this, correct me if I'm wrong, um, we would love to learn a little bit more there. But there's also some innovation happening in Canada. So Canada's just introduced uh, or at least accepted a new, some new mutual, one of the other alternatives for anti-methanotropics. Mm. So anti-methanogenics and um, or three NOP, I think, was the other alternative that's just been allowed, um, or at least approved in Canada. Um, but commercial scale-ups going to take a bit longer, and that sort of sets the groundwork for anti-methanogenics with seaweeds, natural additives. But then also the other news is that I think the states have made some new sort of FDA-type um, announcements on on asparagopsis. So. Lots of exciting news in that area, and definitely as a mid-range product category, still one of the more exciting uh, spaces for seaweed because of the the potential, the need, the demand. The the main issue is obviously the price, I think, and the scale. One thing that domestication can help with as well, if you can increase it, is it, is it bromoform? Yeah, bromoform is the active can, ingredient. If you can increase that active ingredient concentration um, through, you know, directed evolution or something, that'd be great. Yeah, I reckon there's yeah, there's definitely some selective breeding improvements, but in terms of more like proper directed evolution and engineering. Yeah, just getting those yeah. like, fast generation times. Yeah. Um, then the other topic that's come up last week uh, was the uh, the seaweed sinking. And, oh yeah, um, that was a big topic. I don't know much about this, so I'll let you talk about it. I think the the it's something I saw in preprint about six months ago. I think six months ago, a while ago. So it wasn't a big news. Um, it's been I've, I think I've read it before, and so when it was in preprint, it was a little. I felt a little bit more relevant. Um, and so six months ago, people were maybe still discussing this a little bit more. There are a few teams looking at seaweed sinking around the world, like Sea Fields, uh, and uh, I'm running tired of moving a bit away from seaweed. Yeah, there's a wood chip, right? 
Yeah, they're doing wood chip or monitoring more than anything, just MRV for the carbon cycle in, in the ocean. So it's, it's uh it's it was I think it was part of their their plan. Actually um, and And Symbrosia had some great news as well. Um I think there was an edited article coming out not long ago about um the latest updates on introducing an inset pro insetting program for um, methane reduction supplements. So this would be the farmers getting uh, paid for, I think, for a carbon uh, credit. Uh, so this is all part of the carbon credit uh, aspect of asparagopsis and mm. methane reduction, which is another way of essentially subsidizing the cost of production uh, or introducing um, seaweed supplements into your supply chain. And it's moving along really well. And I think we, a couple of years ago made a few predictions on that and, and stuff seems to be coming through um, so the business, the case for, for asparagus is as a, as a solution very strong uh, I know that folks have questions around efficacy in large scale pilot large scale operations and mm. um, also where a vaccine might be better than a supplement because you don't have to do it too you don't have to feed it like regularly um, but it has its benefits over the synthetics or the vaccines and um, in general this market is massive I mean we've seen the effects of of consumer fickleness or consumer trends away from mm. old protein and, and maybe a little bit more return to meat eating in the news anyway old proteins have come under a lot of fire yeah um, last couple of months and so the you know the, these guys are jumping on that and as a, like a case for me eating again if we continue to eat meat in the next few years which we will yeah uh, the case for asparagus is still pretty strong yeah that's a great point actually that's a great point mm -hmm. we're seeing a, um, I don't it's been a while since I checked we're seeing a falling rate of growth I think in the alternative protein yeah. space so yeah um, great area that food can, can kind of support and if we can Resolve the supply side issues, mm -hmm. and that's it. Oh, the other thing, I mean, the final thing was that seaweed actually got mentioned in Morning Brew, which is a, a, a daily newsletter that's got a couple million subscribers. Oh, so cool. every time that seaweeds in the news, we will cover it. But Morning Brew, if you uh, want to reach out to us, I think we can definitely give you a little bit more insight into seaweed sure. around the world. Uh, thank you for giving a shout out to the seaweed space. We need more exposure, we need more conversations, and um, we need yeah. more investments. So. Because I know I've been a bit of a downer this whole time, this whole conversation. <laughs> but the, tru the truth is, like, seaweed does have huge potential, right? Um, it's basically crude oil you can eat, and I mean that in a positive way. Depends, I guess, on what, you're, what kind of seaweed you're farming, but yeah. Well, yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about the industry as a whole. Yeah, okay, it, okay. It, you can you can literally make crude oil out of it if you wanted to. I mean, it's kind of too expensive. Yeah, yeah, that. crude oil you can eat. <laughs> yeah, but, but you can also eat it, and you can also um, make turn it into bioplastics. And pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Nutraceuticals, textiles, paper. It's, um, the, and if you really don't care about price, building materials, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, if you're, what about the saga blocks? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, using waste as a, as a... We can get into that, but... Yeah. yeah, but my point is that we can make all these different things. The problem is the cost of producing all these is way too high because the cost of seaweed is too high um, in most of those markets. And so the way that we do that is we boost labour productivity um, and reduce seaweed production costs that way. Hopefully, you'll, you'll see us uh, on a farm very soon.
Yeah. Well, so the, the next episode, I hope you'll be on a farm. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll be on a farm and uh, we'll be helping yeah. the seaweed industry grow from that. Yeah, thanks very much for your time today, guys. That's the end of the podcast or the bulletin. Long, a bit longer than expected, but thanks Macro, so much. Macro-supplies.com, don't forget to go on there. Seaweed Gang, WhatsApp group, that we'll add that in the links. Definitely join that, that's where we all hang out to discuss and bitch about and gossip about the seaweed space. Absolutely. Um, and then Paxteer, I mean, you guys know where to find it, so make sure to like, subscribe, and find it wherever you listen to your favourite podcast episodes. Thanks for your time today, Reese. Cheers. Thanks. Take it easy. See bye you bye. soon. Bye-bye.